0: welcome to the well-being room my name is Leia and i'm your host so today on this episode we have brigitte gem from vegan family kitchen joining us brigitte has been a guest on the well in the well-being room previously and today we are talking about her recently released book flow in the kitchen time to get settled and get ready to dive into this conversation Today, I'm super excited again to have Brigitte Gem on the podcast to share with us a little bit about her recently published book called Flow in the Kitchen. Now, I've already got my copy of this book and I've read it through and I read it really quickly it's a really great read and uh, like the review I wrote on Amazon and Goodreads I I started off my review by saying I wish I'd written this book myself (laughs) it's just so good it just encompasses a whole lot of values around food that I also share Um, so it's great that you know I've got such a a like-minded person that I get to interview today and and talk about these amazing topics around food and flow in the kitchen and how we can um nurture ourselves and our family through cooking, cooking for ourselves. So it's a really important topic and we're just going to dive in. Um, So welcome Brigitte.
1: Thank you so much for having me again and I'm so excited to be
0: here to talk about my baby. (laughs) (laughs) And you can just see if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see just to the, um, the right of Brigitte on the camera, you can see her book just sitting there on the shelf. So it's Really, um, it was a real thing. You can buy it on Amazon, or you can get a Kindle version as well, or an EPUB. So many ways to um, digest the content, so to speak.
1: <laughs> and even uh, independent uh, bookstores, I think, even in Australia, should be able oh, okay. to get yep. it printed uh, locally. And it's available as ebook on, you know, Apple Books and Kobo, and all things non Amazon for people who, yeah, try to avoid Amazon as I do.
0: I admit. Yes. No, fair enough. That's great. So let's just dive in. And I'm, I'm going to start with my question, which is why did you decide to write this book?
1: I decided to make it into a book because it was largely already written, but in so many different places. I've been uh, working in a vegan family kitchen for about five years now, and I've written a lot of stuff. And it was a colleague about two years ago that told me, you know, you've written so much. Have you ever thought of putting it into a book? And I, it was the right thing to do. I wasn't. I went into it a little backwards. Actually, I wanted to do it two like last year, and then I was like, "Oh no, it takes too much time, and I don't really need to do this, and it doesn't really help me reach more people." And then I realized it was a very good thing for me to do because it forced me in a way to string together my ideas in a more consistent package, for lack of a better word, um, into a consistent framework. And the funny thing about the title is that it came. I was polling my 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 newsletter subscribers, and I created this poll saying, "You know, these are a bunch of different titles." And I th- I tend to write really long titles, and I apologize to everyone for that. And i I was trying to get a little bit of input from other people to bind me, and so I I was writing this list of titles, and I wanted to throw in some random titles in there just to as bait, you know, to see, to, to, to distract from the other titles that I thought were better. And then I thought, flow in the kitchen, it just came, you know, like that. And it became a concept that captured a lot of the thoughts I already had, but I had never managed to pin down this idea of, of ease, of joy, the um, more Spiritual and mindfulness aspects of cooking as well that are conveyed by the idea of flow. From almost a, I'm I'm not a Buddhist. Uh, I wouldn't pretend to be one, but I'm very attracted by a lot of the ideas about interbeing, uh, and how we are all interconnected. And the the title was very popular in the poll, thankfully, so I kept it. And as I had to add a fresh introduction and a preface and a conclusion to the book and kind of string the chapters together, everything all of a sudden made more sense. It was no longer just an kind of a compendium of my ideas on meal planning and joy in the kitchen and how to make a stir fry. There was a a common trend to the whole thing. And so it's been a, it's been a great process. I'm really glad I did it. I didn't think I would, but I'm really happy.
0: And I'm glad you did it too. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Um, It's just so well-written. Um, you know, it just feels like you're just sitting there talking to me, you know, sharing this information rather than sort of giving me a lecture. So I really love that. And that's why it's so easy to read. So thank you. Thank you for writing this book. Um, I've already lent it to a friend and she's zipping through it as well. Um, Yeah, I'm even thinking of buying a few copies and maybe giving them away as Christmas presents or something. Thank you. That's very kind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, so you really, you really um, structured it really well. Uh, I love how at the end of each chapter, you kind of have like a practice. Uh, you prompt the reader to actually take what you've talked about in that chapter and practice it in their life, in their kitchen, um, which I think is a wonderful way to make it more engaging as well and make it uh, achievable for the, for the reader to, to actually take on board The information and the suggestions and then put it into practice so that's really great as a teacher myself I love that you know it's it's active learning you know they're not just reading and flicking the page and flicking the page which can be a lot of you know a lot of people do in when they're reading sort of nonfiction books or self-help books that kind of thing so one thing I'd like to discuss though is how in one of your chapters I think it may be chapter three or something you talk about home cooking as project management now um people may or may know not know what project management is i sort of from the work that i've done in my other job you know i kind of have an understanding of what that is you know and you talk about the three key elements being scope time and money but for people that perhaps don't understand project management and i don't know can you try and explain to us the connection between cooking and project management and and those three elements that go hand in hand with that
1: yeah of course um I have to, full disclosure, I have never been a certified project management. You know, in certain fields like construction and even software development, there's people that need to have a professional designation to be project managers. And um, I have always had a lot of admiration for civil engineers, but just for civil engineering projects. You know, you walk down the street. I mean, I live in Vancouver, so we've had a lot of urban development these last few years. You're building a a metro, you know, a a transit system and everything needs to show up just in time, Mm, right? All the different, like somebody knows they've counted. I'm the kind of person who goes, who likes to improvise, let's put it that way. I put myself in a situation and then I think, oh, I need, you know, these four different things to make it happen. But when you're building something really important, like an actual building or something, Like they know how many nails Mm. and screws and like people they're going to need at any given time. And they can plan for those things in advance, do all the costing. And some people may think home cooking is easy. You know, it's everybody knows how to do that. Yeah. Of course, my mom does this. And there's a little bit of a, you know, putting it down aspect compared to these grand architectural feats that we're doing. But in fact, there's so many similarities. And I I think partially my my project management metaphor was meant to elevate the role of cooking, but something, and I used to um, manage projects, but more like research project where maybe 10 or 15 people would be involved. And so I had a little minimal training in project management. And we they always said, you know, Um, scope, you know, it can be cheap, it can be fast, or it can be quick, choose two, you can't have all three. Mm -hmm. And that really inspired me when I was starting to um, educate, to work in education, teaching other people about cooking. I think we have a lot of uh, unrealistic expectations about cooking. Some of it comes from what I like to call food porn, you know, looking at cookbooks, oh, they're so beautiful, you know, these Mm -hmm. amazing pictures. You have no idea how much work went into making this picture, mm. you know, and, and getting it just right. And, and the food may not even have been actually cooked per the recipe. That doesn't matter. You're just trying to get a nice picture. I mean, maybe it has, but often it doesn't. And, and looking at beautiful Instagram and Pinterest pictures and stuff. So we have these expectations of what the, the food should look like that are not necessarily in line with the different resources we have to put. Toward cooking, and I hate mm-hmm. to be the downer that says that cooking takes time. Mm. As I was rereading the book, I was feeling bad about that because, like, cookbooks sell. If you look at like the most popular vegan cooking books currently on Amazon, like half of them say like quick, simple, mm. easy, fast, all those things. Okay, uh, but so if it's going to be quick and easy, then it means that something will suffer like we can't have it all <laughs> yeah so, you that's know right. yeah and and that's where the question of the conscious compromise comes up mm-hmm. i mean if you have infinite money you can pay someone to mm-hmm. cook excellent meals that are fully whole foods plant-based with you know amazing flavor perfect yeah. nutrition the whole kit i mean the, the, you'll have to invest some time in finding that perfect personal mm-hmm. chef but it's possible most people don't have infinite money. Well, then you can put infinite time instead of money, mm. uh, but nobody has infinite time. We are all constrained in various ways, some more than other. Yeah. So we can play on the scope. And by scope, I mean, what are the specifications of the project, of the dinner we want, of the series of dinners? You know, we think of the meals, not just like a single meal, but yeah. the, the meals that we have over the course of a week. And there's some meals that will be very tasty, very pleasant looking, very mm-hmm. nutritious and have so many different components to them you know I love going to a fancy restaurant and mm. there's we have this uh, vegan vegetable restaurant in Vancouver like yeah. you order the mushrooms and there's like six different kinds of mushrooms on your plate all prepared yeah. in a different way and I mean that, that's amazing but it takes so much time mm-hmm. I can't do yeah. that at home
0: yeah
1: and so if you have all these very high expectations, you're going to have to invest the time and the money somehow mm, yeah we can adjust those expectations for me it means that on weeknights the meals will not look quite as good <laughs> put it that way sometimes you know it's a little sloppy on the presentation side mm. just because i don't have the time for that or i may compromise sometimes on the the wholesomeness or the uh, homemade ness of the food You know, I may decide, well, I'll take this shortcut. You know, I could make a homemade vegan burger, but that would mean I would have to take out the food processor and put in all the ingredients and I say, well, maybe sometimes I buy ready-made vegan burgers. That's a compromise. I'd rather have the homemade one, Mm. but I'm okay with this. So it's about keeping those three elements, the three qualities of cheap, fast, and, you know, wonderful. That's that, that, that high quality and check and balancing them together, and the reason it's a chapter of the book is I think people need to look into themselves to realistically and kindly assess the actual resources they have to put towards cooking mm. and measure those against what they want cooking to do for them, yeah, and huh. once you've thought about that, then you realize that maybe it's fine to have a simple meal, but a lot of our meals tend to be so complicated, you know and or or we get ourselves into these complex recipes that have a lot of different, you know, subplots. Oh, oh I needed the special umami sauce that's on page 42, right? And then you have to go back and then you get flustered. So yeah. maybe you just decide that a little soy sauce is
0: a perfectly fine seasoning a, for your yeah. stir fry. Mm, exactly. Yeah. No, thank you for that. Um, and what you were saying about the project management, it actually reminded me of, I don't know if when you were at school, like we had a subject called home economics in high yes. school. Um, and I think it's probably been bastardized over the years. <laughs> it's <laughs> still called other, home economics. It's yeah. still called home, but I don't think it actually is what it originally was set out to be. And I think it was probably set out to be all around this sort of project management of like how you how you manage your home, how you manage your cooking, your budget, your planning and that type of thing. And I think that yes. has probably shifted and changed changed over the decades, which is why it's it's not as a, you know, I definitely don't think that they cover those aspects in the curriculum anymore. Um, and maybe that's because yeah. of, um, you know, sexism and feminism and all that kind of stuff. Maybe those sorts of things have changed that where it's not the role of the women or the woman yeah. to do that anymore, but, but it usually falls yeah. to the woman in most cases. Yeah. I think people take for granted that those things
1: are easy, don't really deserve to be taught or, or, mm. Taught as in being taught by someone or taught about. Yeah, you know, it it can't be that hard if my mom has been doing it for all. Mm-hmm. You know, well, it's all the right. things that are feminine. Um, yeah, that's that's definitely something out there. Um, and also, uh, there's other subjects that are so much more important.
0: Mm. So apparently, apparently, yes. And yeah. I, I
1: completely disagree because what can possibly be more important mm. than? feeding yourself really good food
0: yeah you know, but, and knowing how to budget and and plan for that as yes. well yeah
1: my mom went to the um it was called the family institute where good housewives <laughs> were trained back in and it was like a full full on high school uh diploma that she did there and a lot of the focus was on all of these issues and i was looking at some of the texts you know when i was going through boxes of old things and those are old subjects and, you know, maybe it's because I'm in my forties that I'm okay looking at this now, but
0: Mm. I
1: really wish I hadn't thought about this more thoroughly when I was 30 years old, but no.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, no. You're never too late. (laughs) No, that's right. You know? and, And I think the work you're doing is, is helping people with that as well. Like you've, you've really, yeah, just your book in itself is kind of all that rolled into to one really, or at least a big part of it. So thank you. Um, now, apart from the project management side of things, you know, the scope, time and money, another big issue that people have when it comes to cooking and is that there's this resistance to cooking. It's like, I'm not a good cook or I don't like cooking or I just cook because I have to. Um, So there's all these sorts of thoughts and ideas we have about, you know, our ability to cook and our desire to cook and our willingness to cook. And sometimes there's a bit of resentment because we have to cook for our family and they don't help out or they don't like what I cook, you know, those sorts of things. And I remember when I was in a family, bigger family sort of unit, um, you know, there was always that, you know, I've got to cook food so that this person has food for lunch tomorrow and that person has lunch for tomorrow. And then I've got to, you know, there's all these things that's weighing on your shoulders. Um, and you do have a chapter that talks a bit about this. So I'd love you to share some thoughts about, you know, what is, what, do, how do you overcome this? How do you help people overcome this resistance? What are some tips or advice that you could give us? I mean the top, the place to start is
1: to know why. We hate cooking. And I'm a sociologist by training, so I come at this through a sociological lens. And we have to acknowledge the power of the forces in society that devalue home cooking. Mm-hmm. And you had a fantastic podcast episode not that long ago where you were talking about, I can't remember what it's called, the local food ordering. Oh, uh, like Menu Log uh, and
0: Uber Eats, yeah.
1: Yes, exactly, right? And we have Uber Eats here in Canada. Interestingly, we have two um, that I realize are only Canadian. One is called Skip the Dishes. Okay. And the other yeah. one is called Just Eat. And I mean, those are brilliant, mm. brilliant brands because they yeah. totally capture
0: yeah.
1: what it's about is people just want to eat and they don't want to be stuck with washing the stupid dishes, right? Mm. And mm. I think there's more than, let's say, laziness involved. I don't think it's because people are lazy. I think it's because we have completely devalued this process of home cooking. And largely first of all because it's a feminized activity I mean there are men who cook but I'm my first language is French it's funny how in French um, you know a female cook because we have different words for male and female thanks yeah. of course being a complicated language so a female cook is like you know a cuisiniere she's like the person who makes daily meals and you know she looks frumpy and maybe she has a nature not frumpy are they <laughs> <laughs> well, if she's a cuisinier, she probably is because she's like the, the, the help a little bit, right. Then mm-hmm. people don't mm-hmm. really respect that. Mm. But a cuisinier like is a chef, mm. you know, he works in a Michelin starred restaurant and he has bad character, <laughs> you know, and, and he's, he makes these creations for the world to enjoy. Mm. And in the same way, I think, so the, the daily cooking that we eat at home because it's feminized, well, it can't possibly have a whole lot of value, can it? Right. Mm. And, I think we need to acknowledge that, first of all. Um, there's also the fact that from an economic standpoint, home-cooked food has no value to speak of. Groceries have you know, pretty small margins of profit for anybody along the line. But the margins of profit get really big or bigger if it's a, a value-added food, right, where you don't just have like potatoes that you sell to someone and they cook their potatoes at home, the end, you know, you have the potatoes grown in the field and then they go to a first processor that maybe like dries the potatoes and mix them into like a powder of some sort. So you have jobs that are created there. Mm -hmm. And then you take the potato powder and you reconstitute it into some form of like more palatable, tastier kind of potato. And then somebody else makes a, uh, you know, ready to eat dish that just goes in the microwave. So you have like, Packaging, you have graphic designers involved, you have a bunch of jobs and distribution and all those things. And that is valuable for the economy. And there's a bonus that people that only eat that stuff, chances are, well, they're getting a lot of fat, they're getting a lot of salt, possibly a lot of added sugars. And they might eventually get sick, which also adds to the GDP because healthcare is part of the measure of productivity of countries, what we measure as a good thing in the economy, which is nuts.
0: Mm, it makes yes. no sense whatsoever. It's insane. Yeah.
1: so we internalize all of these ideas that you know home cooking is not valuable. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, when we internalize those thoughts, we neglect to see how it can be an act of love, an act of service. For others. And I, I'm with it. There's days when I really feel resentful about cooking. Why is it only me? Especially if my my kids like it was when my my son was two years old, he was, you know, not completely verbal yet. But one night he said, I want a different dinner. <laughs> you know, I almost lost it. I was like, you know, go cook your own bleeping dinner, you know, you little <laughs> yeah. brat. And of course I didn't say that because I'm such a patient mother, but um, it's difficult, right? There's a lot of tension. We are we fear that we're going to be judged about the food. We want the yeah. best for our family, but at the same time, why are we the only people who care about this? And then mm. we finish dinner, and my husband gives the kids a cookie. It's mm. like what? You know, yeah. I worked this hard, and you're giving them a cookie, and they know now that if they don't eat the broccoli, that's fine. They still have cookies after. You know, <laughs> so we we put in so many yeah. emotions into this, and yeah, no wonder we hate cooking, but. Like everything else, a mindset shift really makes a difference. And that's yeah. why I encourage people to remember that they don't have to cook, they get to cook. Yeah. And there's, I mean, my mom used to say, you know, there's people in Africa that don't have, you know, it was a thing in the 80s that don't have anything to eat. Well, there's a lot of people that don't have anybody to cook for, for mm. starters. Yeah. Um, and that having that thought of everything that I have that I'm so, so lucky to have in terms of all the, the food, the beautiful food, all the tools I have for cooking, the wonderful environment, the people I get to cook for, I get to cook. And just saying that, it's silly. It's just a word, you know, instead of Mm. I have to cook, I get to cook. Yeah. I think it makes a world of difference. And yeah, sure. It sucks that it's always me kind of thing, but on the flip side, I think the person who cooks should be the person who cares the most about it. Mm -hmm. And I don't care a whole lot about how my clothes are folded. You know, my scarf is a little wrinkly. That's fine for me. So yeah. somebody else can take care of the laundry. But I really care about my food. And I, I need to be in control of that because that's one of my elements of that scope that we were talking about. Mm. So I want to be the first person to be engaged in there. So yeah. I do it. Yeah. And once in a while, that's okay. On the weekend, about once a week, we eat out or my husband cooks or we eat at my in-laws. I don't yeah. need to be in control all the time. Yeah, but I I get I get to choose that food and mm. I think it's an immense privilege and we have to realize that um, we are lucky and there's something to be grateful for in the act of
0: cooking. Yeah, absolutely, I agree wholeheartedly. And I love what you you have in your book. You have like a couple of those types of affirmation type things. Like I get to cook, and there's one that I wrote down here. It says I'm learning to love cooking, and then <laughs> yes. I wanted to add on to that. I'm learning to love cooking healthy meals for my family. And I just, <laughs> I just wanted to add on to that one, and and yeah, put that yeah, out there. And they're
1: learning to love the healthy food, also, um, mm. because we have to give people some grace and give them a break, a little compassion. I think, uh, mm. as we just talked about, society as a whole does not value healthy, homemade, plant-based, you know, meals very much, mm. and we're all to some degree brainwashed, (laughs) you know, we can put this in this, this lately word, you know, by those societal expectations of what good food is. And of course the, you know, the the game is rigged against good food. You know, the restaurant food is full of fat, full of salt, full of sugar. Of course, our, you know, primitive parts of our brains want that stuff. And that's true for my kids too. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I know that it's, it's a learning curve. We have Mm -hmm. to give and take also to some extent, because we like to be part of society. Uh, we don't want to be completely separate. Yeah. Um, so I give them, I've give them grace for loving some food that I personally would prefer. They don't eat. Yeah. Um, but I also see it as my role as a parent to expose my kids and, and to, and others, whoever wants to eat at my table yeah. to um, food. That's actually good for us. And I think it's a training yeah. of our mouth and um, mm-hmm. our taste to learn to love
0: really good food. Yeah, that's right. No, it's wonderful. Um, yeah. Thank you for that. What's to think about. <laughs> um, yeah. And you do devote a whole chapter in your book about finding joy in flow in the kitchen. Um, I don't really want to go into it too much, but I think that chapter in itself is like value for money just in buying the book (laughs) i printed it out last night so i could just have it and you know keep it nearby so i can um refer to it but yeah i think for people who are struggling or battling with that you know i have to cook you know using those affirmation like you just said you know i get to get to cook for my family or i'm love i'm learning to love cooking but then reading through those different um joy practices um uh, I mean, I might just read out a couple Like you have your, your power song, you know, choosing a song to sort of pump yeah. you up and get you moving in the kitchen. Um, you talk about George Cow's Energy Reboot, which we're both a fan of George. So that's kind of how we met anyway. <laughs> so so he gets a mention, which is lovely. Um, yeah. And you even have like a cook's prayer, which, which I think is a great idea. So there's some really great... Um, Yeah, rituals that you call them that we can practice to to bring that extra element. Do you want to just talk a bit about you know why why you just one thing I'll say here about that is that basically you have to fake it
1: till you make it, Mm. and whichever way you fake it to make it is fine. Um, And there's a bit of a contradiction in the book because I also am a strong advocate for mindful cooking, meaning cooking without devices in the kitchen, Mm. even without going into the spiritual aspects. Just keep your phone out of the kitchen, you know, Mm. and then some. An early reader was like, Well, you tell me here to keep my phone out of the kitchen, but in this other place, you're telling me to listen to podcasts and, um, you know, put on a power song or whatever it is, watch videos while you cook. But we need to create that association that makes it a a fun thing. So, Mm. just like, for example, I personally, there's nothing I hate more in the world almost than running on the treadmill, Mm. you know, Mm. and sometimes in winter, the sidewalks in Vancouver get really dodgy and you can't run there. And I'm like, I'm going to run on the treadmill. And there was there's nothing that will convince me to go on the treadmill. But I have this special playlist on my phone that has like all of my guilty pleasure songs on it. And I'm not going to say what they are, but I do listen (laughs) to them when I run. And there may or may not be stuff from like cringy 1980s movies there. Mm. But it's a joyful moment. And I hate the treadmill, Mm. but I go run on it because of the fun, you know, the, the really fun playlist that I will listen to. Mm -hmm. And in the same way, if we can create that kind of exclusive association with something that we really like that we only do when we cook, you know, if you have a, I know there's people, I don't get that but like there's a thing for true crime podcasts. there's people Mm -hmm. that really like true crime stories and then there's a bunch of podcasts about it and if like that's your guilty pleasure and you don't have any time in your life to listen to that because frankly who has time to listen (laughs) you know so there's so many cool podcasts you don't have time to listen Mm -hmm. to at all but keep like the the most like pleasure ones for Mm -hmm. when you cook and like like, oh yeah i want to go cook i also like um Putting on an apron, and I was just saying, you know, the apron has been associated with like a matronly mm. frumpy appearance. No, it's a cape. It's a superhero cape. It just mm. happens to be worn on the front. You know, yeah. and you put on your your apron. You have a really nice one that you really like, or that yeah. means something to you because it comes from your grandmother. Whatever it is, yeah, you put it on and you transform. Mm. You just and you just pretend. Another one of those techniques is just pretend for five minutes. Set a yeah. timer. Yeah. start cooking for five minutes if you hate it still in five minutes stop that's okay you know turn off the heat and step away but i bet you're going to keep going because mm-hmm. once you're doing it, it's not that bad yeah right yeah so yeah. and not only it's not that bad but you can find pleasure in it and the, yeah i'll keep going
0: you know oh yeah this is moving along nicely so yeah no great yeah thank you um oh yeah, something I was going to say, but I've completely forgotten now. Oh, yeah, no, about the podcasts and listening and the music. This is like, I think there's a distinction about the phone in the kitchen where you talk about, um, yeah, having your power song or watching or, or something on YouTube or playing a podcast versus using your phone and just scrolling through for recipes or looking at food porn on you know Instagram and things like that. So there's different ways we can use our devices, some for support, um, like the listening and the the music to healthy inspire ways. us, yeah, yes. healthy ways. And then there's other not so healthy ways that are just really distracting us or, you know, taking away our power in the kitchen. Cause you do talk about how um, you know, we do we if we've been cooking, you know, over the course of our lives, you know, we have some experience. We do kind of know what to do. And maybe we just don't have the confidence because we see all this stuff, all this pretty looking stuff, that, you know, is very well um stylized and it's made to look good and and it's like, you want your food to look and like that and, and taste really good, but, um, you know, you've got to start somewhere and you've already got the foundations. You just, you know, lose that confidence. So, you phone- know, so much mm. already. Right. Yeah. And,
1: I started realizing that because I have a meal planning service where I tell what's for dinner to people, and mm. the first couple years when I was writing the recipes, because there's only one years, only one year, there's only 260 <laughs> dinner <laughs> recipes, right? But so when I was writing the recipes in the first year, because I'm someone who likes efficiencies, I mentioned project management and I was like, I need shortcuts here because every damn recipe starts with cut an onion. And -hmm. of course, people who don't tolerate onions really well will not be happy about that. But the fact is that in most of our traditions, cooking dishes, it starts with an onion. Onions are awesome from a nutritional standpoint, but they also have a lot of um, sweetness to them, which not everybody believes, but they are sweet when they cook. And I was like, I need a macro, you know, in my word processor to say, you know, start by doing this and this with the onion. (laughs) Yeah. And that's how I realized that so many recipes are actually, they're not exactly the same, but they have mm. the same structure. They use same categories of ingredients mm. at different times, perhaps in different ways, more or less liquid, more this, more that. But once you see the similarities, you can't unsee them. Yeah. And then you can start improvising. And I think we've seen so many recipes and we've done so many of them, but we weren't paying attention because we were following the recipe like this, or because we were so wound up with our emotions about cooking or about the food, or we were dealing with, you know, fires in the kitchen in terms of, you know, kids fighting or something. (laughs) But once you start paying attention, you learn so much. And if you're focused on cooking, then you can apply all the stuff you've learned, even unconsciously. And like, yeah, I, I know how to do this. I've done it before. Like if all of a sudden the recipe disappeared, you'd still be able to put some kind of dinner on the table as long as you believe you can.
0: Yeah. If you believe you
1: can't, you're like, oh, that's it for me. <laughs> you know, we're ordering pizza.
0: No, yeah. it, it doesn't have to be that way. No, no, exactly. And and in chapter five, I love how you go through and actually chapter five is called the making of a healthy vegan meal. And you actually walk the reader through the actual process. Um, and and you actually imbibe confidence in the person reading the book I really feel that the way you've set it out so clearly and step by step it's it's a no-brainer really and and I love you I'm going to just quote you here you wrote um your hands know what to do give them a chance to prepare the meal for you and I just really love that because yeah if we just put faith in ourselves and allow our hands to do the work um we'll get there you know absolutely I mean
1: I have a client uh, I've been in touch with who is by himself with like four kids. He never cooked before. I'm not sure what they ate previously, Mm -hmm. Um, but since he's subscribed to my meal plan and I've been in touch with him many times and every week uh, my clients get to do a a prep session on the weekend and I time it to be in one to two hours of active cooking time. And so I was in touch with this man and checking in with him, you know, is everything okay? Cause I really, really, really want him to succeed. And he said the first prep session took him like six or seven hours. Right. Oh, wow. and I was like, I'm so sorry. You know, and, <laughs> and I wanted, I, I wished I had been there to number one, help him, but to tell him, you know, don't do this, take this shortcut instead. Right. Mm-hmm. Because there's a number of assumptions that are built into any recipe in terms of the skills of the people. But so of course, some people start from absolutely nothing Mm. and that's going back to the project management aspect you have to do with the skills you have so for for somebody starting with nothing well rice and beans and steamed broccoli is a very nutritious option Mm. and it can be very good of course it's less appealing than a pad thai from the thai restaurant which is full of salt and sugar and oil um but it's, it's a trade-off, right? And then you do that and then you can do it again a second time. And then the third time you can jazz it up with a different sauce.
0: Yeah. Right. And,
1: and then you build your skills. Mm. You don't, you don't, I mean, not everyone knows, but I think everybody who's spent at least a year or two cooking something at all has some knowledge,
0: yeah.
1: whether they know it or not. And they have skills, even if they think I suck at cooking,
0: mm.
1: it's not true. And the more we repeat that, the more we form, you know, negative pathways in our brain. And once we start to
0: shift the story, we can change our lives for the better. Absolutely. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Now um, we're just wrapping things up here, but you do have a couple of chapters and you talk about meal planning and you've just touched on that and, and batch cooking. Now for me, I'm, I'm not one to necessarily follow that practice, but but I know for some people out there and, you know, even friends that I've spoken to recently, you know, they don't necessarily like the idea of cooking for two hours on a Sunday afternoon is not appealing. It's their time with their family. You know, they don't want to be too lumped with the cooking. So I'm wondering, can you try and sell us on, <laughs> on um, why it's why we should, or, or how we could spend, you know, a couple of hours doing some batch cooking and meal prepping and um, yeah, maybe yeah, see how you go there. <laughs>
1: yeah rate rate me on my success here um but first of all it doesn't have to be sunday afternoon and i under- mm-hmm. or sunday morning or whatever it has to be at a time where people feel like they have energy mm-hmm. and where they're in a good place where they care about themselves and it it's not for everyone in the sense that some of us work from home, don't work too many hours. They enjoy going in the kitchen. They have no issues with, you know, making good, healthy choices for themselves. Yeah. Fill your boots, you know, cook, start cooking dinner at four. You'll mm-hmm. be done at six and then you eat. That's wonderful. And yeah. I encourage them to do that if it brings them joy, happiness, and if they they experience flow. If somebody is encountering issues in the weeknights because they're stressed, because their willpower is depleted, I know that there's um, something uh, we talk about often in terms of kids that's called the post-restraint collapse. It means like all day long you've been behaving well mm-hmm. at school, for example, and then you come home with mommy and you break down, right? And so yep. in my home, there's a lot of yelling that happens after, you know, between three 30 and five o'clock and it exhausts me. I don't deal well. I I can keep my cool, but it, it really drains my bucket really fast. Right. Yeah. And so don't ask me at that time to make something involved in the kitchen, to commit to something a little bit difficult. What I want is to open the fridge and see dinner. And it's not dinner like pre-plated. Some people do meal prep, often people who live by themselves, younger people or whatnot. You know, they have these matchy, matchy containers with all their dishes for the week and they just pop them in the microwave and they're ready to eat. I don't want that because I, I like my food to feel like it's been fresh cooked. Yeah. But I opened the fridge and I find a big container of, I don't know, spaghetti sauce, homemade with lots of vegetables and roasted tofu that's really flavorful in it. Yay, you know, and I, I cook some pasta and I serve it with the hot sauce and nobody knows, Mm -hmm. you know, that I haven't just made it. And actually it tastes better because any dish that's simmered tends to, you know, develop its flavors. Mm. And so I've used the time when I was my best self, Mm -hmm. which for me is Sunday at some time during, during the day to care for the part of me that's on a wednesday night that is not my best self that doesn't have the most willpower the the most brain cycles available to make some really good decisions yeah and that's when i would be vulnerable to either eating the exact same thing as before and i mean it wouldn't be necessarily bad like some like a shortcut meal that i like is hummus pasta like you can make a really mighty creamy pasta mm-hmm. like you cook pasta and you add hummus with a little bit of cooking water maybe you've got some pieces of broccoli thrown in while the pasta is cooking it's really good mm. i can't eat that every single night but i would <laughs> if i didn't have something ready to go and some kind of a structure and the meal plan enables that yeah. cuz i think ahead of the for the week and I know that in my week there is going to be cruciferous vegetables at most dinners. I know that at least like a couple of times there's going to be like a lot of leafy greens in the dinners. There's going to be a variety of vegetables, you know, a couple of different kinds of beans, different kind of uh, spice profiles. I've built those into my week at a time when my brain was rested and yeah. calm and full of beans you know <laughs> yeah. and so when the time is to execute it's like if you ask me if I walk in the gym at the, I, I get up early in the morning I go to the gym at 6 45 and I go to a gym where they tell me what to do and I love it yeah because if you ask me to think yeah and decide you know should I be doing deadlifts today or like bicep curls I would spend 10 minutes thinking about it and then I would do like three bicep curls and I would think oh you know that was kind of Hiring, I think my shoulder hurts a lot, but so I, at that time I'm happy someone else makes decisions for me. It's
0: like front loaded and it's the same for cooking. Yeah, exactly. You know, we make so many decisions throughout the day that there's, when it comes to food that I think that's where people feel a lot of resistance or stress. It's like, Oh, I've got to think about this now. And it's like, I've just dealt with this, this, and this, and this, the kids are screaming, you know, you've, you summed it up really well. Um, so that's really important to consider. Um, yeah. And I love that you do have, you know, when you get the book, um, you can download like a meal planning template and, you know, the book describes how to use it. And, and you, you, you know, you do have your meal planning service that people can subscribe to, which is also great. I'm actually curious, do you offer, cause you do it for the Northern Hemisphere. Do you sort of have Southern Hemisphere clients and then you switch them do. so that they get yeah,
1: I do. I have a special down under delivery. Um, so the meal plans have um, twenty six meal plans, each of which covers two weeks. Yeah. And at the when I first started them, I thought I would keep going and create new meal plans forever. And then I realized actually, like after a year, I don't remember what I had for dinner a year ago, mm. and it's the same season. You know, let's say in the winter. You know, so again, so I can just use the same recipe and it's fine. And every year my husband goes, we've never had this before. (laughs) We did exactly a year ago, you know, so um, I was creating the meal plans. And then I discovered that, of course, for people in the southern hemisphere, um, roughly, you know, it never is quite even, but roughly it's six months apart in terms of seasons. So I have a down under delivery. So automatically Mm -hmm. people who ask, ask for it. Um, they get the normal version just because it would be complicated for me not to send it to them and they get a bonus of the opposite side of the year okay Um, and people who are lifetime subscribers which is most people they can access any of the meal plan at any time so they can kind of look at the recipes and think okay those look like things that I've I'm going to see at the farmer's market or that are abundant in the you know like cauliflower sometimes is cheaper because there's more of it things like that so they can they can go for that so it works well for australia and new zealand i'm not so sure about south america but definitely for uh people in your, in your neck of the woods it's uh, it works out well
0: brilliant thank you so much all right well, we might wrap it up there my dog is bashing the front door <laughs> wanting to go out. So I'm going to attend to that very soon, but I just want to thank you so much for, for joining us in the well-being room today, Brigitte. It's, it's always a pleasure to have a chat with you and, um, you yeah, know, I look forward to having another chat with you in the near future. And yeah, thank you for being the book. Here. Yeah. Thank you for the writing your book and yeah, please all the people listening or watching, get your hands on a copy. It, it's really, uh, you'll be doing yourself a big favor, um, just by learning some of the, the, the tips that Brigitte shares and, and vegan cooking, you don't have to be a vegan to cook this way. You know, I think swinging more towards plant-based eating is, is definitely becoming more popular. And, and this is a great sort of window into learning how to do that for yourself. So thank you so much, Brigitte. I hope thank you, you for your support. This welcome. was super fun. Always great to meet you. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'll see you next time. And that's a wrap for today's episode of The Wellbeing Room. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Brigitte. Feel free to get a copy of her book, uh, The Flow in the Kitchen. You can find it online and you can order copies as well in paperback format. I look forward to your company in The Wellbeing Room in the not too distant future. Until then, stay well.